everybody and welcome to Confessions of a Market Maker live, our first live podcast. We're going here from BTC Miami and I'm with none other than Steve aka Beyond the Trades, uh, my partner at Equities ETC with me and JJ, the man behind the scenes does great work. Steve, how's it going? Hey, Ray, man. Thank you so much for having me. So yeah. I like to keep a more of a low profile behind the scenes. So yeah. Yeah. I'm not one of these younger type of guys, but thank you for having me on. I really yeah. appreciate it. No, so. well, you know, um, you do a lot of great stuff behind the scenes. I don't think people realize even just putting this podcast together was your idea. Put me to JJ together, helping get with guests. Um, etc. And uh, I've learned a lot trading from you, myself, um, and my own strategies. And uh, yeah, we want to bring you, uh, bring you to the forefront. Um, how's the trip been so far? Well, let me tell you what I've been in my my, my corporate career prior to trading to hundreds of conferences, and that, that's not a joke. Okay, uh, also been to trading conferences, but I can honestly say the energy here in Miami with the Bitcoin, the cryptocurrency crowd is I've never seen it. Yeah. And what was really nice to see, there were some older folks. It wasn't just young adults. Yeah. There yeah. were some older folks that are embracing uh, the concept uh, and the technology. And I, I saw that they're being very exciting. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, what about the energy really set this apart? Like you said, uh, I know you've had a really good corporate career. You've been to a lot of those conferences. You've been to a lot of trading conferences before the pandemic happened. What, what was the different? What was the different vibe that you got from here? Well, you know, that's, that's a very good question. I've noticed, and this is no knock on uh, business conferences or existing trading conferences. In fact, I'm going to the Money Show Trading Conference next weekend in Orlando. Um, what I've noticed is a lot of trading conferences and business conferences focus on the money aspect, the financial aspect, sure. okay, making connections. Um, how can this benefit me? Not so much in a selfish way, but maybe in a joint win-win way where we both can make money. Yeah. And that's pretty much what these conferences are, networking, seeing old friends, making new friends. What I noticed in this Bitcoin Miami conference was it was a totally different vibe. Mm -hmm. These folks, sure, they want to make money, but their mission is totally different. All right. They're behind a cause, and the, the number one point of this cause, and we could talk about it later if you want, isn't necessarily let's make money today on this, yeah. but let's use this technology to create better lives for our future. They want to be part of something bigger than themselves, yeah. and you see that in the energy. You see that with the rah-rahness. You see that with some of the quirky things yeah. that were going on at the convention, and what was really good to see is there are some bright, intelligent folks behind it. And I'm not just talking about the young adults. All right, there are some brilliant young adults there. There are also some that are just there to find out what the next meme coin is going to be. I'm not talking about them. All right, they will come, they will go just like the internet came. And the internet went for many individuals and many companies back in the late 90s. But there are some sharp individuals working on some sharp projects that can change the lives of so many people. Yeah. Um, and as far as the older folks that are embracing it, they're using their experience, they're using their wisdom, they're using their business savvy, all right, to really get behind this movement and to encourage folks like yourself. 
okay, and others uh, to let them know that you're on the right track to whatever you may be doing. So I don't know if that answered that question. It's different. Yeah, no, it it doesn't. And I I think uh, a lot of us get that sense is like you mentioned, and I think that's the exciting part about crypto. It's like, yeah, are we traders and do we like making money? Yeah, we do. But this is also, like you said, uh, being part of something that's bigger than ourselves um, is uh, a big, you know, draw, um, I think, to this whole thing. So uh, you sat in on a lot of the speakers. Uh, anyone stand out? Uh, what were some of the takeaways you took? I would say, yeah, I did. I did sit in with a lot of the speakers, actually spoke to a lot of individuals. I would just say three uh, presentations really struck me, and I'll start with the, the one that I thought probably was uh, the biggest impact on me was listening to uh, the gamification of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And I was really taken back by that gamification um, it's such a loosely held term but in this day and age everything is becoming uh, whether it be via esports whether it be video games uh, Mario Kart whether it be sports online betting fantasy sports DraftKings um, Bitcoin's getting actively involved okay as rewards all right and I'll give you an example one of the video games uh, I don't Want to say Mario Kart, Super Mario? It's Kart. Mario Kart. Like, be, I, yeah, I, it's I Mario Kart. Wrong, like, yeah, but they have something what's called Satoshi's, and and one of the goals of this video game is for them to acquire more Satoshi's. And yeah. everyone that's really passionate about this game, and I know nothing about this game, so I'm no expert. But everyone who's passionate about this game, I'm being told, wants to collect Satoshi's. They don't even realize that Satoshi's are fractional Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. That they are actually acquiring the good players. Bitcoin by simply playing a game and that how video games are going to bring more people into Bitcoin, the awareness of Bitcoin. We could talk later about what that really means. Um, and it's just going to explode. See, a lot of people don't realize, they think Bitcoin, one, the, and I'll call you, the ignorant folks that just think Bitcoin is a scam or simply don't know about Bitcoin. Whether Bitcoin goes to the moon or Bitcoin goes to zero is not the point. All right, to call something a scam is just very easy and boring to do. All right, it takes no it's lazy. thinking. Yeah, it's lazy. Yeah, it's just lazy, lazy thinking. thinking, especially when you know nothing about it. All right, now why do people do that? Okay, in my opinion, as well as other people's opinions, is and most of the folks doing it are the old folks, the more established, might be traders, might be business professionals. The more established in life, the more well off, financially secure. In life, and a reason why, an example, if I use myself, had a successful business career, I do pretty well trading for myself. Uh, I run various businesses, the trading room at microefutures.com, equitiesetc.com. Shout out to all the members out there listening. Love you guys. Uh, it's in, not in my interest to change the status quo. Yeah. It's not in my interest for Bitcoin technology or cryptocurrency technology. To, to be successful. It's not in my interest for the dollar to possibly collapse. Yeah. And we have a new digital currency, which by the way, everyone at the conference says do not happen for 10 to 20 years until mm-hmm. after the next few headings of Bitcoin takes place. But let's keep things just as it is, because I'm making money, right. you're not. Right. Okay? And I'm just using you as an example, the younger generation. So a lot of folks will just dismiss it without even looking into it. Yeah. And I thought, you know, you're speaking to me about the presentations. Another presentation that really stuck out to me was Michael Saylor. 
on a microstrategy. He threw all the cash on the balance sheet of his company into Bitcoin. Now, people are like, oh, Michael Saylor is an idiot, what he's doing. They're thinking Michael Saylor is putting every asset that MicroStrategy has yeah, yeah. into Bitcoin. No, folks. There are cash. That is profits from his company, a very successful company, by the way, um, that he's running. Instead of it sitting in cash, collecting 1%, 2% interest, whatever he might be collecting it, he decided to put into its long-term assets. It's money that's not needed to run his company. It's just money because he believes in Bitcoin. And what does he believe? Okay. Right now, if you're a trader, and most folks listening to this are a trader, you hear everyone saying, oh, Fed Powell's printing money left and right. True. All right. <laughs> there is so much money out there. True. The only thing keeping the stock market up is the, the Fed. Is the government printing money? True. Oh, this is all going to collapse. We're going to have the biggest bear market. It's going to happen. Well, if they could keep printing money, it might not happen. Right. They're just going to keep pre printing money. Yeah, yeah. But let's say it does happen. Right. The dollar, the value of the dollar, and you even see it now, uh, inflation started to increase. The cost of goods in our everyday lives are starting to increase. The Fed is manipulating the dollar, the price of the dollar, and it's affecting human beings. It might not affect me if yeah. the price of milk goes up or the price of diapers go up. Yeah. It might not affect me personally, but it will affect that young single mom that has two, three kids, yeah. right? It will affect those people that live in low-income housing, right? So the government trying to prop up Wall Street so all of us yeah. that are in the industry can profit from it ultimately affects a lot of lower-income people. And, and eventually, it could affect us. I'm no expert on any of this. Take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. But what Michael Seller was trying to explain, so how does Bitcoin solve that? You can't manipulate Bitcoin. Now, I'm not talking about people buying a bunch of Bitcoins and, and dumping it and, and buying it again, loading yeah. it, and taking it out. So I'm, not, I'm not talking about that. That sort of trading, people call it manipulation. I call it rules of engagement. If you're allowed to do it, you're allowed to do it. Yeah. All right? If you got a problem with it, don't be in the industry if right. your opponents are doing that to you. No, what I'm talking about manipulation is the government, right. the government manipulating the dollar Okay, or manipulating just the economy in general, that will affect. You can't do that with Bitcoin. Right. So should everything collapse, the dollar. Yeah. Should we have another major recession, all right, and the dollar goes down, yeah. the price of Bitcoin is still going to be what you're willing to pay for, what I'm willing to pay for. It. Yeah. You own it. It's something that is yours. Yeah. All right. So this idea of having a digital currency, although it won't happen soon. A lot of people saying 10, 15, 20 years, it's just inevitable. Yeah. And there is so much passion and steam in the community behind Bitcoin, it's going to be very hard for someone to knock it off. An example, and then I'll let you ask the next question. Think of Walmart. Walmart is so powerful as a retailer. Mm -hmm. Amazon is so powerful as a retailer. You can own a mom and pop store, provide better customer service, cheaper prices. Better qualities and goods, but guess what? You're never going to compete with Wall Street. And I kind of see Bitcoin the same way. It's getting so big and powerful and a whole movement behind it. A movement where people are willing to die financially because they believe in it. That makes them dangerous. They have nothing 
to lose. Yeah. So I say this is I don't necessarily see another digital currency coming that's going to knock off Bitcoin. And I know I rambled on. Yeah. So no, no, no. Those great. You, you brought up a lot of great points. Um, and this is something uh, that I've seen people on Twitter. Um, at least, you know, uh, past couple of days or, or yesterday, really, knocking some of the presenters. Uh, I forget who it was, but the, the passion and people are like, oh, like, you know, because we talk about all the time with trading is like, okay, you don't want to be emotional. But this is like, this is another step to, to the whole point that you're talking about. This is not the trading lens. This is to uh, better humankind, to better society. Um, and while we were talking on that, uh, you know, us being down here in Miami, uh, we've interviewed Suarez here on this podcast before. Him embracing cryptocurrency um, and Bitcoin, do you see this uh, becoming a trend within politicians? I think that's something very brave that he did, very contrarian that it could have really not, uh, voters could have not liked it. You know, this could really hurt his reelection, which it's not. Like, it's really helping him. Uh, what's your aspect as far as like uh, it being accepted by the government and politicians? Well, I, I think he's, I think, let's face it, first of all, I like the man. Yeah. All right. I've spoken with the deputy commissioner, mm -hmm. all right, uh, that works very closely. With the mayor here in Miami, um, they're very passionate about it. They're very smart about it. He wants Miami to become the technical uh, center. I am on the Silicon Valley of the East, yeah. right? And, and why, why wouldn't you want this, you right? Want you, yeah. I mean, yes, you don't have the wine vineyards that you have out there in the San Francisco Valley area, but I don't know if the viewers can see the beautiful background of palm trees and water here yeah. in Miami and the high rise where it's Brickell. Uh, how do we say that name wrong? Brickell. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, Brickell. Okay. So, yeah, my daughter picks on me a lot of the time. I call it brick nail. So, but Bricko, it, which a lot of people call the uh, Wall Street of the South, Wall Street comes out very big. So we're actually in the business district right here, right now, interviewing here in, yeah. in, in that area. But to answer your question, um, politicians want to be reelected. Mm -hmm. That sounds horrible. It's making it sound like the politicians are bad just for that reason. No, it's their job. It's, it's, it's good sense. Yeah. Uh, folks like myself in their fifties and forties. What do we have? Maybe 10 more years left in the business world, 20 more years left, 30 years to even live on the face of the earth. So the younger generation, your, your generation, folks in their 40s, 30s, and 20s, all right, that's the population. It's a different mindset. Mm -hmm. Okay, laugh at them, dismiss them all you want. Okay, the reality is they are the future. And I think when you have a vision like the mayor of Miami that sees that, understands technology is a play, the marriage of both of them is just a natural win. Now, he's not going crazy, right? He's not bankrupt in Miami, rolling the dice and putting all of Miami's future in Bitcoin, right? That's not happening. Just like Michael Sell is not risking all of MicroStrategy's future or Elon Musk when he bought all of that Tesla, uh, you know, why, yeah. excuse me, the Bitcoin on the Tesla Balance sheet. Yeah. Ask me about uh, Elon Musk. Sure. I, I want to give my opinion. If I was on the board of director of Tesla right now, so, yeah, yeah, and I won't rant because I own some shares of Tesla. <laughs> I probably will, but <laughs> remind me. See, I'm getting off topic here. You can kind of sense I'm getting a little uh, the Italian New Yorker uh, coming out with me a bit there. So, but no, I just think it's good business. I think you'll see more and more of it um, based on the success of the, of the folks that are embracing it. Yeah. Or um, in yourself as a trader, probably a boredom. Yeah, a boredom. Yeah, I, yeah. I would probably say boredom. I, I think what helps a lot. 
I swing day trading, obviously swing trading. I'm doing more and more swing trading now. Yes. Yeah. Personally, you know, I, I feel that there's been some opportunities out there uh, with some of the tech yes. stocks, uh, mm -hmm. bottom end out. You know, you saw a, a lot of tech stock growth stocks moving into value stocks. Yeah. Not into cash. Okay, moving right. into value stocks. Now you're starting slowly to see value stocks coming back to a certain select amount of tech stocks so I've started to pick up some good swing trades at the bottom to run them up I was very successful doing that right after COVID when COVID crashed okay I managed to jump in a lot of the hospitality even yeah. the airlines and cruises right you after that you nailed project, the project you nailed right? and they yeah. ran up to like June it was ridiculous and then I also did a pen pen was a great example I got pen at $12 after it was recommended to me at six I thought I was buying pen at $12 on FOMO Okay, the thing ran from twelve to one hundred dollars. I think I'm still in it. I think it's traded somewhere in the eighties right now. But I would say the weakness is boredom, especially on the day trading aspect. Sometimes there'll just simply be no reason for me to go into a trade, yeah. and uh, I'll see a trade that meets my setup criteria in my playbook, as I mentioned before. So it's a trade, but then I'll forget that. Well, part of that strategy is the spy has to be trended along with it. Yeah. Okay. That boredom will have me lose focus. And I'll see the setup, I'll see the play, but I won't check the spy at that time. Yeah, and then I enter the trade. I know the spy is doing the opposite, and then the trade will get stopped. You out. know, you know what? Because you know we trade together all the time, like every day. Uh, you're you're really good at knowing when you do it. Like you recognize it when you make a boredom trade right away. You're like, oh, like this was a boredom trade. Like, and you you're quick. Uh, you, I think your awareness is very um, on point. Where I think a lot of times people. Uh, aren't even cognizant of their mistakes um, and, and that's a big point now how does one get to that point I don't, I don't know I think that's a lot of off uh, maybe uh, within the markets type of uh, studying or reading etc and we don't have to go down that path but. no but you know that's all true right obviously yeah. I worked on a mental aspect yeah I mean I know Jared Tenlin or Dr. Brett Steenberger you know I studied at work I mean we can go nine yards in that yeah I've also had just experience right over in life I, I liken it to driving where as a brand new driver, you drive on the freeway for the first time, you're like, your hands are on the steering wheel, right? You don't see everything that's coming at you, right? Yeah. Same thing, but when you're driving for 20 years, you're on the freeway, you're not even looking at it. You'll catch any little thing that happens, right. a car right. moving, you know, even though you're not really paying attention, you catch the same way you no know, one went down to trade, when not to. So when a boredom puts me in a trade, I'm not supposed to be in it, one, I call myself out on it. You guys see you me do, do that, you do. all right? I let people know that even if this trade turns green, all right, I effed up on it. You know, yeah, I'm not feeling good about it. And just to go back to what you said about some of my strengths, and I failed to mention it, I take very small stops. I keep my stops small. Small losses, yeah, you do, yeah. No, discipline, yeah, 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 right, yeah. If a trade's not working for me and my thesis is proven wrong, I'm out. Yeah, I, I, you know. But, you know, so it was said to me a long time ago, now pay attention, because I say this to people, and I'm talking to the audience now, I say this to people and they look at me like I got three heads. Money lost buys the same amount as money won, okay? Money loss, so don't let that trade go on you. Get that money you're losing buys just as much as that money you're making a profitable trade. So I don't know if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, no, 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 it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. No, uh, great stuff. Um, we've got a few miscellaneous questions. We'll wrap this up. You uh, you have a great website, uh, Beyond the Trade, where you conduct written uh, interviews. Uh, why don't you just tell the audience a little bit about it? BeyondTheTrades.com, and the whole uh, premises of BeyondTheTrades.com, there was a book called Tribe of Mentors by Tim Ferriss.
Ferris. Yeah, great book. And Tim Ferris interviewed a wide range of people and asked them questions about their industries, specialty, as well as just random questions. Beyond the Trades does just that. I'm looking to go beyond the trade. Right. I'm not looking to know what the individual strategy is. I'm looking to see what makes them tick, both in trading and also outside of trading. So it's a really fun interviews and not that long. It might take five minutes to read. And we interview a wide range of individuals, not just high successful professional traders. We do do some and all walks of life. Okay, so uh, go to beyondthetrades.com. We're always looking for interesting individuals to interview. I know I have a bunch coming from this crypto conference, and who knows, we might have a sumo wrestler right, <laughs> at a Bitcoin conference as a future Beyond the Trades interview. I love it. I love it. Oh, that's great. Uh, can't wait. Can't wait for that one. Oh, awesome. Um, Florida gets a, a bad rap a lot of times in the national media. Uh, you, as long as, you know, as well as myself, live down here in Florida. Tell people why you choose to live here. Well, it's funny. I grew up um, born in the Bronx, New York. I grew up on Long Island. Uh, lived 32 years of my life there. Uh, wound up moving to Virginia with my company right outside of Washington, D.C. So really the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, when my company was sold and I was too young to retire. I always loved Florida because I did a lot of business down in, in Florida. Uh, so I decided to move down there. The weather, how can you knock the weather? How can you knock the water? I mean, the Florida lifestyle. Yes, there are some crazy stuff that happens in Florida, but usually it's in the middle part of Florida. Yeah, not where we no, are. Not it's, it's, it's usually, yeah, the two north, coasts, north. you're okay. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, um, Yes, there has been like the last alligator attack. Okay, you know, people are like, well, what about alligator attack? Last alligator attack, guy got drunk and decided that he was going to ride an alligator, <laughs> an alligator pond. Yeah. So he jumped the fence, started riding the alligator. So you do get some folks like that. Yeah, but yeah. to be honest with you, if I'm going to go out party, that's probably the dude I want to go out partying away from. That, but that's just me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's here nor there. Yeah, that's funny. That's great. No, I, I love Florida too. I mean, can't beat it. Um, What's what's something that you've learned about yourself during the pandemic? That when I isolate, now I'm being serious, guys. Mm -hmm. When I isolate, I, I go to a bad place. Okay. I think, you know, uh, I won't go into my whole history. I will share it out there for only for folks that, you know, might be having the same problems. I do have a very addictive personality. I, I abuse drugs. I abuse alcohol. Early in my career, got health for it in 12-step programs. Uh, I feel when I isolate myself, okay, like I did in the pandemic, a lot of things would get to me. I'd be more edgy. I'd be more anxious. It would affect the people around me. Also had a, a something very serious happen in my personal life with, a, with my sister and my family member. So I think what I learned from myself is if I don't do the work mm -hmm. to take care of Steve mentally, Okay. And spiritually, because I'm a man of faith. Okay, If I don't do that, it affects everything around me. It affects my trading. It affects my business projects. It affects my personal relationships. So I need to make sure I'm taking care of myself emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. Mm -hmm. Okay, And really, just to do the next right thing. But to come out to this conference, you know, I, I texted my wife last night. I felt like I was home again. I, I was out. I was out with people yeah. doing what I needed to do. Because you know, when you're trading, it's it's very 
we're isolated. Yeah, we're part of a great community. I don't know what we're going to do with the community. I'm yeah, lifelong yeah. friends yeah. with the folks at equitiesetc.com and microefutures.com. If it wasn't for those folks out there, who knows what I'd be doing? Right yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. No, I, I think that goes for anyone, really. I think if you isolate, it's so easy for us to all get trapped in our own heads, our own ways of thinking. I just appreciate you sharing that with the audience. And I'm just sure. one other thing I want to yeah. share with out there, because I know trading does attract the degenerates. Let me tell you, my God, some of you traders are degenerates. I mean, my guys, you guys will like not trade. in a good way, like not in an endearing way either. Well, you got the endearing way, the, the true yeah. degenerates, because you want to have someone that's aggressive in trading with good risk management skills. I call that a good degen, but then you have just degens that people will just bet on two cockroaches that are crossing the street. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, AMC, let me go in AMC. I have nothing wrong with going in AMC GME if you have a thesis behind sure, it. Sure. You're playing this, you're playing that, but I'm just going into it because uh, so-and-so made all this money, you know, yeah. and you, know, you just degen it. There's no strategy, no thesis behind it. I'm not saying don't play them. I'm yeah. just saying, you know, what's your concept behind it? But yeah, there are a lot of degenerates out there. So what I meant by that is a lot of folks have a different question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if anyone's out there struggling with that, uh, go to beyondthetrades.com and DM me. DMRA, awesome. uh, if you ever want to speak. I mean that sincerely. I mean that sincerely. If anyone's having any issues out there, feel free to reach out to me. Awesome. Awesome. Betting on two cockroaches across the street. Now, I, I know, uh, I know this. the answer to that question the ones with the longer legs. The ones with the longer legs. <laughs> Wait all the time. I, it makes me think. If you're going to DGEN. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Degen with a strategic strategy right. behind it. Well, let me ask you this because this makes me think. Because I know, I know you like uh, you know prop betting and, and you know this ain't any form of gambling. And I, I remember you sharing with me that uh, uh, you and a buddy of yours used to, to sit uh, sit either on the porch or the backyard, and you guys would bet on what was the next airline that would fly over the house. Yeah. Do you, you want to share on that? And like, what was your strategy on picking airlines? Well, I, I think it was really, really. Funny, all right. I actually saw that from Kramer one time. Was in a He was in the uh, the lounge, the airport lounge, and he was betting a guy on <laughs> which plane would land. I never saw that one. That's great. So my buddy Dave from Long Island, you know Dave, you know. Ever since I got sober, Dave, you never called me anymore. Come on, Dave. Come on, Dave. <laughs> true true DJ. So true, true DJ. But but the point. Yeah, I'm only kidding, Dave. Uh, the only thing. Uh, so we'd be sitting out drinking Coronas out back, right? Yeah. Coronas with the lime, not lemon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a case of them. And we lived right right by Washington Dulles Airport. Mm-hmm. So the planes would come over us. So we'd be sitting there drinking, and then we'd just take out a few dollar bills and, okay, what, which airline would come over yeah. next? Which airline would <laughs> yeah, come over I love next? It. I love it. Uh, the strategy behind that? Yeah, yeah. But he was just as smart as me when he came to that, so he knew the same strategy. Uh-huh. What hub? So Washington Dulles, which airline was hub faced out of, sure. you know, was more of that plans would come in. But to answer your question, we had that. If yeah. you're going to do any type of advantage gambling, yeah. be the house. Yeah, exactly. Everyone thinks gambling means you're just reckless. Right. right? But a casino gambles mm-hmm. against the player, yeah. but the casino has an edge. Yeah. So and an advantage gambler. And let's face it, the stock market is the biggest casino in the world. Yeah. So if you're not trading with an edge, or if you think you have an edge, now you're a sucker. Yeah. Okay. An edge is knowing that you have a statistical math edge. And how you find that out is a topic for another podcast. Yes, backtesting can help to that. Other things can help to that. Yeah. But the, the professional traders that are making money have that edge. Yeah, we're, we're advantage gambling. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think people don't, I mean, I feel like I always talk about this on the podcast, not to beat a dead horse, but 
uh, we was talking to our, our friend in Monterey, shout out to Cisco again. Uh, and we had a great conversation last night about, and this is what I enjoyed about him. It's, uh, he's, he's like, hey, I placed a bet on uh, Fubo, or I placed a bet here. And I can already tell the way he's talking about it is he's, he's talking in terms of bets. Hey, I'm placing bets. And I think viewing trading as quote unquote gambling, but as uh, advantage gambling, um, I think it's useful. At least it is. And maybe this should just be my bias, you know, the poker, the, 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 the uh, sports betting, et cetera, all that background. But I think it is. I, I think people don't look at it in those terms. And I think it can be beneficial um, once that's like internalized. Well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. You know, I played a little bit of poker back during the poker boom uh, while I was working. Um, I trade. If I did not have an edge, I wouldn't be doing this. Yeah. It's just simply the right. way this. Right. You know, I don't, do not go to a casino to play. Well, it's not fun, right? Crack I know. or roulette. It's... I'll go and play poker because it's a chess match almost. And I feel like right. I possibly have an edge over my opponent. Same thing with the stock market. I'm not entering a trade. You know, I, I could put my money elsewhere. Right. Yeah. yeah. So let's, let's play. Like, uh, I know, I know, but like we can go and like throw, uh, you know, throw a dice. That's fun. Like, you know, have fun at the casino, but like really it's like, well, that's recreation. It's recreation. Not, yeah. Right. But we know it's like, there's no real fun. Like there's more fun than us in us in beating the game and in learning the strategy. At, Cause, and I think that's what it is, is about loving the process. And, and can it. I, can I, and you bring up a really good point and, because, you know, I'm talking about being all serious with your trading, right? And understanding the technology, whether it be Bitcoin, crypto, or having a mathematical edge of trading. Let me make it perfectly clear, because there's a lot of old-time traders out there. There's nothing wrong with recreational stock trading. There's nothing wrong with the younger crowd, instead of going out and getting wasted and spending $400 on booze, alcohol, yeah. cocaine, strippers, hookers, whatever you might want to say, and, and then investing it or trading it for recreational purposes. If an AMC or GME goes to the moon, great. If not, they lose recreational money. There is nothing wrong with that. And why are people making fun of them? Okay. So if you just want to spend an evening trading crypto, day trading crypto at night, yeah. instead of watching a movie, what is wrong with that? Even if you lose. So I don't want to make it sound like you have to be dead serious and in a career to do it. So yeah. for all of the young people, just learning to use, and you're trading on those stupid apps, Robinhood, Weeble. Don't even get me talking about Weeble. Don't get us I mean, I had a we had a deal with Weeble, and he backed out those weasels. Okay, <laughs> all right. So I I I won't say anything bad about them. Yeah, but yeah. when you have a gentleman's handshake and you backed out, see now I'm, I'm digressing yeah, 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 yeah. here. But what I'm getting at is there's nothing wrong with those folks Absolutely. having some fun on them. Now, would I use it? Would I trade it? Absolutely not, because only one reason. I'm micro focus on making money. Yeah, but yeah, if that right. was my way of having fun, why not? Nothing wrong with it. And it's like, it, don't, you know what I'm thinking? Don't scare the fish at the table, right? Be nice to them. Your money's welcome. You know, especially for us, if we're, we're doing this for a living, we want people like this in the market. But like you said, too, like if this is your form of recreation, hey, we might go spend X amount of money in Miami tonight, go to the club. You can do that trading crypto tonight. And it's how we make money. And possibly make money, possibly. right? Like we're losing money. Like there's no. So there's two. You know, you know there's two. We have we have to define you know the two different areas. Just like we have to define the trader and then the long term person that yeah. believes in the vision of Bitcoin. It's like so many different verticals within the same financial industry yeah, yeah. that sometimes people trying to make it all one and mm -hmm. truly not. So. All right, we got five minutes. We're gonna wrap it up. Sure. Uh, real quick, you said you wanted to give your thoughts on Elon. Give it to us. Oh, Elon Musk. Hey, listen. First of all, I I was in Tesla, so. 
you know, I could be a little bit biased on it. Wasn't in much, but I, but I did lose some money on Tesla. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't like losing money like everyone else has to lose some money. Mm-hmm. He did put a lot of his uh, cash of Tesla, all right, on on the balance sheets, all right. Um, he bashes Bitcoin occasionally. I understand that, but whether he believes it or not, it's not the point. The point is, if I'm sitting on the board of directors of Tesla, and my duties out on the board. It's to my shareholders, okay? And on the books, I have a lot of money involved in Bitcoin. I'm calling Elon Musk into that and saying, what the hell are you doing? What the hell are you doing, okay? By the price of Bitcoin coming down, it affects his shareholders. Some who have a lot more shares of it than a day trader like myself or a short-term swing yeah, trader yeah. like myself. So... I'm calling him in. Now, what people don't realize, they think, well, Elon Musk owns the company. He can do what he wants. No, Elon Musk is a CEO. The board of directors, like they did to Steve Jobs, can vote him off out of that CEO position. They'll never do that because that will tank the, yeah, you know, yeah. he's a cult icon. They'll never do that. But the point what I'm trying to say, it, it, it makes no sense what he's doing Yeah, in that sense. So whether, But also, he's a smart man. So is he doing it? Does it have something to do with these tax credits that Tesla oh, actually credits. receives? Yeah. Is he positioned himself if this Biden pill passes? I have no idea it's going to pass or not. Um, so does it have something where he's actually enabling Tesla to continue getting these credits? Because if you take away the credits and the profit he made on Bitcoin back when, Tesla's actually losing money, which everyone knows. So if he, these tax credits don't sustain going forward, what is their financial balance sheet going to look like? I don't know. I just play price action, right? I'm, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not smart enough to figure out will the price go up, will the price go down long term on, on Tesla based on that. And I'll let the, the smarter people than I try and figure that out. And yeah. by the way, those smarter people than I are probably like 50% right on stuff like that. Just play the price action. As Ryan Shannon, a good friend of ours in the podcast, will say, price action pays, baby. Shout out to Brian. Yeah, I think I, I, I just, I just, I would stop hanging on all his words. If there's people out there, like if people just are like, like ride or die Elon Musk, every single word he says, I don't know. It's it's a little, it's a little ridiculous to me. But let's not jump down there. We have one minute. Um, I wanted to ask you because you've been plugging so many people on this podcast. You forgot to neglect who was the one who actually brought Chain to your attention. The uh, BET, uh, the coin, the crypto. Oh, coin. geez, here we go. It was some guy called All Day Ray. It was Ray back in 2017. <laughs> He's like, Steve, look into this technology. Uh, look into the VCs that are put money into it. Look into the management team because I think you should, that will tell you if it's a good project yeah. or not. Uh, and look at the contracts they are signing. And it was Ray. I did buy myself. Uh, it was so cheap, zero 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 five. Like he was like. Micro penny at the time, I bought myself a shitload of shares, and then it split two hundred for one. So my shitload of shares became a ridiculous yeah. amount. Done nothing for you know three years, and and now the baby is uh mm-hmm. it's kind of moving on. Yeah. So thank you very much. <laughs> hey, like I told <laughs> you all along, I might give you some on Lambo. Hey, there you go, Stevie. <laughs> it has to get to three dollars. Heard it from the horse's mouth. It has Stevie. to get to three dollars. No college, we get Lambo, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we were talking uh, last night to our boy, shout out to Cisco from Monterey. Uh, me, him, and Dan were talking about 
Uh, it's really impressive. So for a gentleman like yourself, like Mark Cuban, Kevin O'Leary, who we spoke with a little bit yesterday, um, to fight that rigidness uh, of the mind and to stay, uh, you know, because it's easier for someone like myself or like the younger generation to to embrace these things for new technology, but not so much uh, for someone like yourself. And it, it's just human nature, right? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure when, you know, I get older, there'll be things of that same nature. What, what do you think it is that, you know, keeps you in tune, that keeps you adaptable um, as, you know, like someone like uh, Mark Cuban and them as well. What do you think it is? Well, I, I think probably for myself, the biggest challenge I had is um, I really don't want to believe in Bitcoin. I don't want to believe in cryptocurrency. I don't want to believe in blockchain. Um, so I'm not, I mean, I know I'm probably sounding like one of these uh, cryptocurrency cult members out there. I'm really not. It's really not in my best interest to have to learn Bitcoin or to take the skills that I've learned trading traditional trading market and now have to learn how to invest long term or short term if i want to short term trade cryptocurrency uh it's not in my best interest why why would that be in my best interest right let's leave everything status quo uh like i mentioned before same thing with bitcoin right what it's nothing right it's in thin air which is kind of ridiculous pull out your credit card right your credit card is yeah, a little yeah. card there well oh, but i got five thousand dollars on my credit card show me <laughs> Show me where you got five thousand dollars. Well, it's tied into the it, it's tied into the cloud or into my bank. So come on, isn't it the same yeah. thing that we're talking about digitally? Mm -hmm. The only difference is it's all open source on Bitcoin, right? Mm -hmm. It's open for the world to see, yeah, right? right? So you're not going to have the type of manipulation taking place that could be happening behind the scenes, mm -hmm. right? So, but to answer the question, I think for myself is, you know, this is going to come off across me being a jerk, all right, and me being very as bragging, okay? But I did put my dues in and work 23 years in corporate. Mm -hmm. All right, I did very well in the company was sold. I was too young to retire. Decided to start trading. I always managed my own money, loved it, okay? And it keeps me busy. I've been doing it 10 years. First two years, lost money. I lost more money. I've done everything stupid that everyone listening on this uh, podcast is doing. Um, but the past eight years have been somewhat successful. But the point, what I'm saying is trying to brag is sometimes I'll tell my wife, my wife will come home from work. She's a school teacher. Shout out to Ms. D. Um, as well, shout out to my daughter, school teachers. Now, those are two jobs that are, are making an impact on people. But I would go, it's almost getting boring making money. You know, we are in a bull market, okay? I mean, that's what I mean, being a prick, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, of course I take losses, but you understand what I'm saying. I mean, what I mean is what value, what good am I doing with that? Yeah, right? yeah. So with Bitcoin, all right, and, and let me explain what good you can do, right? Look what happened when a dollar collapsed in, in yeah. you know, some of these poor countries across the country. Mm -hmm. Look at starvation that's going on place. Look at the low income. Look, look how it's really impacting these individuals, okay? Yeah. All right. Um, if their currency at the time was a digital currency or, or Bitcoin that the government didn't have its hands involved in, would their lives be better? Yeah, and you have to understand what that really means. Too, this podcast is too short to go into the details, yeah. but it does. So take the time. Yeah. Take the time to learn the technology behind it and why that is true, why Bitcoin does make a difference, or digital currency make, makes a difference. I happen to think it would be Bitcoin. Others might think it's something else. So be it. I'm not here to debate that. I'm not an expert on any of this. Just mm -hmm. the basic concepts behind it. So it is having an impact so so when a mark cuban and kevin o'leary are getting behind it they're not only getting behind it financially because they think they can make money 
as a hedge right. should the economy or the stock market and dollar collapse. They also, you know, they have enough money in the world, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, and us old guys also want to feel young again. Yeah. Yeah. Coming to a Bitcoin conference here, I mean, yeah. it's getting to the point that I don't know if I could roll a bond. You know, but you know, I almost want to roll on the man bun. Is that what you want? Oh, you know, oh, you know, the man But it makes me younger. It gives me a passion. Yeah, right? that's great. Yeah, it's, it's like I'm talking to a, a different person. I haven't heard these. I mean, we trade every day together uh, for years now. And um, I it's just seeing the impact that this conference has had on you um, from the, the point to it's like uh, a higher cause here. Um, it, it's really neat to see. It, it really is. Well, you know, and again, a shout out to uh, the folks over in Equities ETC and Micro E Futures because back in December, um, we opened up a, uh, a cryptocurrency channel in the room. Now, December with Bitcoin trading at, at $12,000. Oh, yeah, yeah. $12, but yeah. the point of it is, was you talk about the passion. I was in that room and people were laughing at me. I was talking about this company, you know, this, this coin called VeChain Bet. Okay, and how they are very big on the blockchain, very big logistic-wise, and they have large contracts in which they're testing out with two or four um, global auditing firms, as well as contracts with BMW, Volkswagen, Walmart, uh, and what they're doing is able to track the shipment of any location. I mean, to use a very basic analogy, being able to track when you pick a, a tomato in Brazil all the way to get to the supermarket. I'm just using that as a silly example, but imagine doing that with any types of goods and services. But the point where I'm trying to get out with VeChain, all right, it's not Bitcoin, it's not digital currency, it's the blockchain technology yeah. that are gonna change so many people's lives, whether it be logistics, whether it be smart contracts, yep. right? It's just gonna, and no manipulation is gonna be able to take place because it's gonna be open source. People are gonna be able to view this. And I was spouting this, when VeChain was selling at like a half a penny. Yeah, it was yeah. half a penny, okay? And people were laughing at VeChain on what VeChain is up to right now today. But yeah. the point where I'm trying to get at is so much more behind Bitcoin. How can you not get excited? People don't see this excitement in me. They saw it when I was talking about VeChain in our crypto room. And right. let me tell you, we have some sharp cryptocurrency sure, traders exactly. in that room that really teach folks. Yeah. But for trading, no. Why am I going to show passion in trading? I'm out there for one thing when I trade, and that is to make money, to play by the rules of engagement, not to blame other people, not to blame the market makers, the things, and, you know, well, they did this to me, they did that to me. My God, when I hear people say that to me, I'm like, you know, just give me your money. You're never going to make it as trading. I'll invest your money for you, or I'll donate it to charity, all right? But so when I'm trading, I am hyper-laser-focused, as most good traders are, and we come across as being very cutthroat. And also very um, not enthusiastic. Is that a good way to put it? Yeah, I, I think you're breaking it down uh, like beautifully. That that it's like, hey, we can separate us as a trader, and then us at like, hey, like we really believe in this uh, technology uh, and the just the goodness it can bring um, to society. Um, I appreciate all of the the crypto insights from the conference. You know, since we're having this as a live podcast, obviously I want to ask you some trading related questions too. Is there anything else like that stood out from the crypto conference that you want to you tell the people? Oh, people? absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I have been to so many crypto conferences, not excuse me, so many conferences yeah. over my life. Yeah. I've never seen 
a sumo wrestling contest. <laughs> and we're at the business conference yeah, yeah. with the winner. There's eight of them, so it was a round-robin tournament. Yeah. These sumo wrestlers all battling for a grand prize of one Bitcoin. So I don't know what Bitcoin's selling today, 37, like 38. Yeah, right. I had no idea. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, yeah. but so they were going at it, meaning they were going at it for some prize money yeah. and everyone hooting and hollering. I mean, I'm like, damn. You know, all I see at normal business trading conference, people who are hollering is when they go to a bar and a pretty woman or a good looking man would come in and start hoovering and hollering. I'm like, this is so really different. And the next thing I noticed that was different and it was good to see, all right? Because I hate sometimes how women are treated. I really mean that. So uh, at business conferences, you go to these booths and you see they, they're called booth babes. Yeah. You know, you yeah. see these women and they, they, they're being you. They're just to attract people to the room. It was so good to finally be at a conference. Uh, not that I was looking, but <laughs> it's hard to not look at sumo wrestlers wearing thongs. <laughs> okay. So this conference actually had men in thongs, which I thought was very different. Yeah, than eagle, eagle opportunity <laughs> conference. Yeah, eagle opportunity. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was. Um, I, I saw the sumo wrestlers. I, I didn't get to watch all of it. I was too busy getting uh, kicked out. I had a little scruffle with the uh, the backstage. Uh, I used the bathroom I wasn't supposed to use. But that's for another podcast. That's uh, Confessions After Dark. We'll talk about you guys that. Gotta get him to tell this story. This is <laughs> probably a wife of a very famous person that Ray got himself in trouble with. So, and no, not that way. Not that way. Not that way. We'll let Ray discuss that. We wish we, yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh man, hey, you know we're having fun down here. All right. So Steve, um, like I said, I've, I've learned a lot from you trading. Um, you're the one who really got me into using trade ideas, which, you know, I do think we both agree we wouldn't trade without it. Um, do you maybe give, you know, I'm not saying give away the secret sauce of your strategies, but maybe just give people like a, a general overview of how you approach the market and you approach, uh, yeah, your trading strategies. Well, I, you know, it's going to be a cliche answer, I think. I have macro vision with micro execution. Yeah. So what I mean by macro vision it's very important for me to understand the macro feel of what's happening in the market, which direction the market might be going in. Is SPY going up yeah. today? Is SPY going down? Or if I should be in technology stocks, you know, what are the cues doing today? Uh, but with micro execution, especially day trading. So I'll day trade as well as swing trade, and they're completely different. So my strategies are going to be totally different. I think for me, and uh, I have what's called a playbook. A lot of you probably are familiar with Mike Bellafiore's book called The Playbook. Shout out to Mike, grew up in the same hometown as I did, Port Jefferson, Long Island. But what a playbook is really simple. Think of the analogy of a sports team, a football team, let's say. They'll have a playbook of plays they use in certain situations that have proven historically to be successful in that environment time, the distance, the down, are they up or behind in the game? So my trading is the same way. I have a playbook of successful, often back-tested strategies using the trade ideas software that I go to. So I don't trade stocks. I'm talking day trading now. I don't trade stocks. I trade setups, setups that are in my playbook. So should a price action, okay, of a particular stock, meet the setup of one of my strategies in the playbook, I will consider taking the trade. If it doesn't, I, it doesn't. I consider myself a, a trend trader, 
okay? I'm very strong to use EMAs and SMAs, and before anyone asks me, well, which ones do you use? Well, it depends on the stock, folks. Not every stock will run to the same EMA. That's why we back test, you know, historically to see what a stock might be following historically. Uh, so I'm more of a trend trader, not just breakouts. Okay, I use the trade idea software to find some algorithmic uh, software support areas, yep. uh, as well as my own knowledge of support and resistance trading over the years uh, to catch them when they bottomed out and I was starting to reverse. And I tend to use that for my swing trading. Um, and I'll use for swing trading. I know everyone uses the 50 to 200, the traditional longer term moving averages on swing trades. I like to use a shorter term uh, average along with those two because the shorter term averages gives me a snapshot of what the stock is doing today yeah. or this week right. versus me saying, I have no idea if it's going to keep going up or I have no idea if it's going to come back down to those yeah, makes so, a lot of sense. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not obviously giving away secret sauce. You're going to have to come into the room. Uh, that's equitiesbtc.com and that's microdfutures.com. Sorry, guys. That's the business person in me. So oh, the plugs. <laughs> the plugs just come out natural. Not real smooth, good transitions. Yeah. Uh, Steve, what would you say your strengths are as a trader? Uh, oh, without a doubt, it's my patience. It's, it's without a doubt. I've been doing yeah. it. I think, you know, I think... A lot of people talk about the emotional aspects of trading, right? Oh, we're our worst enemy and, and trading will beat you to the pulp and it will take you out to the backyard and, and all your inner demons will come out. Yeah. And I'm sure that happens to some. I personally don't like getting beaten to a pulp. I personally don't like having all my demons come out. Those first two years I traded, it did happen, <laughs> okay? I wasn't using uh, automated software. So I think my strength was my patience, yeah. but my understanding that in this day and age of 2021, automation is the key. Yeah. And if I'm using automation, and I choose to use trade ideas to backtest, uh, you can use any sort of backtest automation if it meets your needs. Uh, I don't think there's any better out there than trade ideas. Yeah. But, um, but the answer further is it takes the emotion out for me. And plus, I'm doing it so long. Right. Yeah. To me, my life is not going to change at all in a trade or how I do today, even how I do one month. Okay. So I think my strength is more so my patience. And I don't buy into this fact that if you're a new trader, you're going to have to spend five years losing or you're going to have to spend two years losing. Yeah. I mean, it's all relative. How much time are you putting in? Are you using automation? Automation helps you. You're a perfect example, right? You're trading two years. I've seen you trade. All right, I've seen the growth in you as a trader, and you do have a professional poker background, so that helps with the risk management, but I honestly think that you using the automation has sped up your learning curve, sure. you know? So it's like it's like getting that type of assistance. It's almost like having a spotter in the gym, yeah. right? You're trying to lift a lot of weight, right? You're not gonna do it on your own. Yeah, and it's speeding up your learning curve. How does it speed up your learning curve? That spot will make you stronger than you trying to do it all on your own. And it's the same way with trading. So I don't know if that, that answers yeah, the question. Yeah, and I think I think just to expand on what I've observed as your uh, strengths, I think yeah, your patience absolutely, and I think your your discipline, and to be more I think specific, your um, your your discipline with sticking to your strategies, your discipline to not worrying about what anyone else is trading what anyone else is doing. And it's like a, it might be a cliche, a cliche thing to say, but it's like really you only compete with yourself trading. It's not like, it doesn't matter what he, she, it's, it's me versus myself. Am I getting, am I continuing to make improvements 
And uh, I mean, it, it, you know, for a while, like when I was starting off, I'm trying to find strategies that I want to do, right? And then once I really honed in on just like, you know what, let me find what I want to do, just stick to that, don't care what anyone else is doing, is when I really started, I think the ball really started rolling because I learned my own strategies, the ins and outs of it. And I think like, yeah, you were an inspiration in that aspect, just blocking everything out and sticking to do what you do. How did, was that a hard thing for you to do at first? Uh, and how did you get to that point? Well, that's a good question. It, and, and to answer the question, yes, it was. I, I found that for me, uh, whenever I would change what was working for me, you know, sometimes you get bored trading. I hate to say that, sometimes you get yeah, bored, yeah, right? I, I know. You know, I'm making, let's say I'm losing or I'm winning, it really doesn't matter, but I might try different strategies because I see someone else is, is successful at that strategy and they very well may be, and it very well may be, be a great strategy, but I found that would get me off kilter. It would get me off track to where I wanted yeah. to base. I needed to get back to my base. So it was told to me back then, you know, never blindly follow anybody's trades, never blindly anybody's strategies. So if you're paying $3,000, $4,000, all right, you know, for courses to learn to use a one minute chart and when it does this, I go right and when it does this, I go left. Guys, I mean, are you really, really that stupid? Okay, do you really believe the shit that's being sold to you? I don't mean to rant like this, but I mean, really, I wanna smack you guys in the head, all right? Very few people, you know, succeed at trading. I don't even think I'm good at it, so this isn't about me. You know, you need, and this was said to me, you need to form your own strategies. now. Use what Ray might be doing, or use what that person that right. paid three thousand dollars might be doing, right. and see. Yeah, that fits my personality, and use bits and pieces of it. But what doesn't, don't force something. And now, what you're doing is you're creating a playbook. Yeah. So when you're starting out, right, see what works for you. Which trades have worked, and what did you do in that trade that made it work? And if you start seeing that same pattern over and over again that goes into your playbook. Yeah. And it's not just for all market conditions, know what the market conditions were for that day, that environment. Yeah. Because guess what? Next week, that play might not work for you, but you keep it in your playbook for the next time the market. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's a, that's a great point. Um, it's taking bits and pieces from uh, different traders. Um, I, I think it's like, uh, that's why I enjoy doing this podcast so much. It talking like I, I take away so much from the conversations I have with people and I'm like, oh, I like that approach. I'm gonna incorporate that into me. And it's like my trading style and strategies is just accumulation of all like my favorite traders, really. And then mixed in with how I see the market as well. And, and I think it's uh, often an overlooked fact. Well, I want to, I just want to, uh, I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. Now, you interview on this podcast some of the best traders in the world from uh, Jeff Swayze's Unknown Market. Yeah. I mean, put it this way, I'm going to pit bull on their ass. I'm not allowed to say that on this podcast. <laughs> I think you've been saying worse. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm going to pit bull on, you know, and again, I've been doing this really only eight years, right, successfully. So I'm, I'm really nothing. But what I'm talking about, you've interviewed some really great traders that really have a great trading mindset. Yeah. Do they mimic other people's processes or do they each have their own right some of them widely different uh, yeah they do right i mean you already know the answer yeah they, they do they all i mean you, you read the book they they all have their own ways now but what you do find though what you do find similarities though there's just those core trading truths and principles in which we always talk to people right like my approach in crypto and uh you know like there's certain truths that are gonna work in crypto equities futures etc cetera, etc cetera. but yeah there's all those the nuances to our own strategies. One, one last thing here. I use the term macro vision, 
micro execution, you just described it perfectly. Yeah. They have macro vision, the same concepts, right? But micro execution doing it differently. Yeah. And that's going that concludes today's episode of Confessions of a Market Maker. Make sure you guys like the video, leave a comment, etc. all that good stuff. Steve, I appreciate you joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, bring them out from the Can dungeon. I give a shout out? I want to give a shout out to the producer yeah, of Confession hey. of a Market Maker who got me fired from that position, fired. Mr. Dan. He <laughs> fired. Come Mr. on, Dan Value Time. And what I mean this, by that is yeah. Dan has taken this podcast book. No, you have to do that. You have to. It's okay for people to do well in the trade. And you got to be comfortable. It's the same way in life and in business. So yeah, shout out to great Dan, job, Dan. So he's going to take this podcast for you and for JJ to new levels. Shout out to JJ, by the way. Shout out to JJ and uh, the new levels that you guys have. For sure. Yeah. Well, this podcast, like I said at the beginning, this this podcast would even been a thing if it wasn't for you as well. So we appreciate you with all the hard work. And like me, JJ said, we let him out the dungeon. Finally, we always joke in the room. <laughs> he stayed behind the scenes. He's out now. It was it was a pleasure. Live from BTC, Miami. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, everybody.